Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue teaching us from Genesis 17 about the Abrahamic covenant and Abraham's reaction to God's vision for his life. Now, this message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org or available at iTunes if you just search for the Friendship with God podcast. Now, it's a very popular podcast, so again, recommend it to your friends or family. And one of the reasons we do provide the Friendship with God podcast and the MP3s available for download and free listening at friendshipwithgod.org is so that Jewish listeners, those that are interested in seeking and searching what Friendship with God is, can find that out through our podcast available at our website, friendshipwithgod.org, or again on iTunes. So we make that available free for the listening audience. Now, you as a listener, we do need your support to be able to continue to make that free but also to continue making this Bible teaching radio program from the Old Testament available on this station and during this time so you can hear this on the radio. So we need your support, and you can support us by going to friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can make a monthly donation or a one-time donation, which will help support this Bible teaching radio program, but also helps us with Jewish evangelism and getting the gospel out and, again, making these messages free and available online. So again, call us with your support or donate online at friendshipwithgod.org. Our number to call in is 1-800-247-3051. Call us now or after the program, 1-800-247-3051. Again, 800-247-3051. We appreciate your listenership, and we hope we can continue with your financial support to keep this radio program going on this station in your city. Now, here's Tom Cantor as we continue our teaching from Genesis chapter 17 on the Abrahamic covenant and Abraham's reaction to God's vision for his life. So Abraham is really into this vision now. He's really into this vision with God. And Abraham is smiling and he's saying, that's wonderful news. I am a father of many nations. And God doesn't want Abraham to slip back, to slip back and to think, I'm 100 years old. So he doesn't slip back those important words at the end of verse 5. Neither shall thy name any more be called Avram, but thy name shall be called Abraham, for a father of many nations. Have I made thee? That's the important words. Have I made thee? See, Abraham is saying to himself, this is a great vision. Me, the father of many nations, I love this vision. But he says, but God emphasized to him, I have made that. I have made you the father of many nations. Then notice how God spreads out the vision even greater for Abraham in verse 6. He says, I will make the exceeding fruitful and will make nations of these. Kings are going to come out of you. God is saying to Abraham, I'm going to make you exceeding fruitful. Here God, when he uses the word fruitful, para, it's the same word that he used in the creation in Genesis 1.22 when he talks into the life in the oceans, or the seas, the fish, and he says, he, it says in Genesis 1, 22, when he commands the fish, he says to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the sea. That's the same word. And we all know how much life there is in the sea. Only in that verse, in Genesis 1, 22, God did not use the double emphasis, the two words, me'od, me'od. He didn't do it there. So here Abraham hears God use the same word when he told the fish to multiply and they multiplied. God, God says, mayot, mayot, to him, but he didn't say that to the fish. 
hate to think what would happen to the oceans if God said, Mayod, Mayod. <laughs> They'd be crawling out all over the place. But anyway, and Abraham now, God hears say the same thing about him that he said to the fish filling the sea. Only for Abraham, he says, Mayod, Mayod. Very much, very much. So against all reason, against all logic, Abraham sits there and he thinks to himself, I'm going to have so much children, so much seed, that they'll be in number like the fish in the sea. He's in. And so Abraham, you can see, he's really getting into this vision now. He's smiling. He's thinking of the, his seed, number of his seed, like the fish in the sea. And then God says to him in these words in verse 6, And I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. So here God says, I will make nations to come from you. That's not all, Abraham. Not just nations. Kings. Kings are going to come from you. And Abraham continues to himself, this is wonderful. This is wonderful. Not just children, not just nations. Kings are going to come from me. And now in verse 7, God promises that this covenant that he's establishing with Abraham is going to be with his seed forever and ever. An everlasting covenant. The covenant is that God is going to be the God of Abraham's seed forever. Forever and ever. And now Abraham is thinking really into God's vision. He's so happy and he thinks to himself, you know, he's not just talking about benefits for here in this life. He's not just talking about on this earth. He's talking about being the God of my seed forever and ever. He's talking about being the God of my seed for eternity. That's what he's doing. And every parent worries about his children, their children. You worry, what's going to happen to my kids? And when my kids die, and if, unfortunately if parents have to see that, when my kids die, they want the assurance that their children are with God in heaven forever. They want that. And Abraham has just gotten this promise where God has told Abraham, your seed is going to be with me forever. And then in verse 8, God promised to Abraham that he's going to give him the land where he's a stranger, you've got to point that out to him. Don't let reality get in the way. But he says he's going to give him the land that he's on and to his seed for an everlasting possession. So Abraham hears that God's not just talking about a part of the land of Canaan, but Abraham hears God say in verse 8, And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land whereout thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. So Abraham just can't believe it. It's just amazing. He can't believe it. First, not just a child, a multitude of children. Abraham's seed is going to be so many, they'll be, that it won't just make up one nation, there'll be like many nations. And kings are going to come from Abraham's seed. And the land of Canaan is going to be given all the land for an everlasting possession. And at the end of verse 8, Abraham hears that his seed is going to be secure. I will be their God. And Abraham hears God say those words, I will be their God. And God is so serious about what he's doing here, about what he's promising here, about what he's explaining here, that God does like he did after the flood. After the flood, God made an explanation, a promise to Noah that he was never going to destroy the world again by water, like he did in the flood. And he instituted a sign, a sign in the sky, which was a token to everybody to see, to remind everybody that God had promised he was not going to destroy the water by flood. That was the rainbow. 
how. Just like the rainbow was a sign of God's promise, so in verses 9-13 through 13 in this whole discussion here, God is giving another sign of all these promises that he's just made to Abraham is a sign of circumcision. But unlike the rainbow, which is always the sign, and that's God's responsibility. None of us go out there and make the rainbow happen. <laughs> we don't do that. To bring the, in the sky after a rain. That's God who does that. God's responsible for making the rainbow. He does that, and that's the sign. But unlike that, this sign of the promises is now Abraham's responsibility and his seed. This new sign is Abraham's responsibility and his sign and his seed, that's a sign of the circumcision. Now in verse 15, now this time, we can picture now Abraham, he's so happy. God has promised him a multitude of children. God has promised him many nations are going to come from his children. Kings are going to come out of his children. All the land of Canaan is going to be given to him. God's going to be the God of his children forever. God's going to, and to celebrate all of these promises, his explanation, then he changes his name from Abram to Abraham. And as an assurance that God is going to do all this, he gives him a sign in his body in the circumcision. So this is all so wonderful. This is wonderful. And God turns to Abraham, and then he says some promises about his wife in verse 15. God says to Abraham, As for Sarai, thy wife, she won't call her anymore Sarai. Sarah is going to be her name. So we see in verse 15, God gives a new name for Sarai. That's what happened. And Sarai's new name is going to be Sarah. The name Israel is Sar El. The Sar stands for prince. So it's a prince with God, Israel. And like in Isaiah 9 6, tells us the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be the prince of peace, the Sar Shalom. Sar means prince. And so Sarah's name has the word prince in it, it means princess. So every Jewish woman comes from a princess. <laughs> That's why every Jewish woman is a princess. That's about as far as we'll go with that subject. (laughs) But there's something very important in verse 15. When God speaks to Abraham about Sarah, Abraham took very careful note of how God called Sarah. God did not call Sarah just Sarah. But notice the words in verse 15 where God said, and God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, thy wife, he calls her. So Abraham has just heard, I didn't hear God say, as for Sarah. But God said, as for Sarah, thy wife. So when God speaks to Abraham about Sarah, God calls her, Sarah, thy wife. And notice in verse 19 again, when God speaks to Abraham about Sarah, that God says to Abraham, and God said, Sarah, thy wife, shall bear thee a son indeed. So when Abraham hears God say, Sarah, Sarah, thy wife, Abraham thinks to himself, God never called Hagar, Hagar thy wife. Never referred to her that way. God only called Hagar, Hagar. And as Abraham thinks about that, and he's hearing God say, call Sarah, Sarah thy wife, Abraham gets the message. He gets the message, he drops his head in shame. Remember, it said earlier that he took Hagar to wife, but God never acknowledged that. He drops his head in shame, and he says to God, I guess I really failed. I guess I really blew it to honor Sarah as my wife. God, I hear you keep calling Sarah and Sarai my wife, and I took that awful excursion with Hagar. I really didn't honor Sarah my wife. And that's what sin does. You know, after Adam became sinful in Genesis 3, 
Adam did not refer to Eve, my wife. But instead, we see Adam calling Eve in Genesis 3.12, and the man said, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me. You know, Adam did not call Eve, Eve, my wife, but he called her the woman. Adam said to God, the woman you stuck me with. <laughs> That's what he's saying there. It's her fault, you know. And there's so much divorce today because husbands do not honor their wives as their wives. And wives do not honor their husbands as their husbands. Instead, husbands degrade their wives down to the woman that I'm married to. Sounds like a life sentence, you know. <laughs> and the wives degrade their husbands down to the man, the old man I'm married to, like a life sentence. The title of my wife. My husband is a title of honor. And that's how God wants those titles to be said, with a sense of honor. That's why he said in 1 Peter 3, 7, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife. And that's why he said in Ephesians 5, 30, And the wife see that she reverence her husband. Very important titles here. So God resets Abraham on the right path, by calling Sarah his wife, as this God was saying to Abraham, Abraham, don't you despise Sarah because she's old and infertile. Abraham, don't you be like Hagar who despised Sarah. You know, it's very interesting and instructive that Hagar despised Sarah because you show me a man who has a mistress and I'll show you a man who despises his wife. Now, Sarah is Sarah, thy wife. And nobody else has that high honor in your life, Abraham. Only she is thy wife. She's Sarai, Sarah, thy wife. And now in verse 16, God makes it very clear that he's going to give to Abraham a son with Sarah, and she's going to become the mother of nations, and kings are going to come from her. So just like he promised to Abraham, now God makes it very clear that a son is going to be from this union between the husband and wife, from Abraham and his wife, not from Hagar. And God has made it very clear that Abraham and Sarah are going to have a son. And so at the end of verse 16, God stops talking. See? That's what he does. At the end of verse 16, God has stopped talking with the dream and the vision. And now it's time for Abraham to respond. And Abraham does respond. You know, Abraham has just walked down this road of this wonderful dream that God has, this wonderful vision that God has, and Abraham is just so happy. He's so overjoyed. All these promises, he's rejoicing in that. God has cast this wonderful vision in front of Abraham's eyes. And he's going to have the multitude of children, and many nations are going to come from the children. Kings are going to come out of the children. All the land of Canaan is going to be an everlasting possession to his seed. God's going to be the God of his children. God's going to be the God of his children forever. They're going to live. He's got a new name, Abraham, to celebrate. He has a change in his body. The circumcision is a sign of the promises. Sarah's got a new name. It's wonderful. And then it hits Abraham like a ton of bricks. <laughs> Well, first of all, he does respond. The response is he falls on his face. And he says he's thinking about how wonderful it is until the ton of bricks hits him. And the ton of bricks is in verse 17. And it's this word, there are two words. It's the a child in verse 16, 17. Have you missed something? <laughs> God, there ain't no child here. You know, it's a great walk, God. Great vision, great dream, but there's no child. A child. All this wonderful vision is not possible without the child, without the son, 
Without a son, this wonderful dream, this wonderful vision, it's not realized. All this cannot happen without a son. And there is no son. And this brings in a very real tension and anxiety into Abraham. God has just cast this wonderful vision, this wonderful dream. The vision is there, it's wonderful, but with no son, the vision is only a vision. The dream is only a dream. So the 17th chapter, where we're studying here, of Genesis, I want you to see this now, is God at work building in Abraham's heart the great vision for Abraham's great seed. In the 17th chapter of Genesis, God is taking the vision that's in his heart for Abraham's seed, and God is spreading it out in front of Abraham. And what God is doing here is kind of, it's very personal for Abraham. It's very personal for me, because that's what I do at work. You know, five years ago, we stood with the mayor of El Cajon. He's almost the former mayor, but he's still the mayor. Anyway, we stood with the mayor of El Cajon, and we looked at the city of El Cajon's dilapidated, that's a mild word, dilapidated social security building that they wanted to sell to us. This building was broken down. When we talk a walk through there, there had been small electrical fires in the wall, which had made flame marks rise up the outside of the wall. (laughs) It was carpeted. It had a foul mold smell in the carpet because the roof leaked. And the water had run down the insides of the walls, and there was mold on the studs. That's a bad thing. And the toilets leaked. (laughs) And the ceiling tiles were stained with water. There was mold in them. And when you walked on the second floor, the plywood gave way as you walked. That's also a bad thing. But I walked through the building and walked back and forth. The first floor, the bottom floor, kept walking back and forth. Very quiet, very quiet through all the rooms. And I didn't say anything. I was just walking and looking and thinking. And a vision started to get born. And I saw, after a while, I saw a different building. I no longer saw this broken down, leaking, moldy, stinking building. We bought that building. And when we did, the newspapers ran the story with the headline title, The Mayor Finally Sells His White Elephant. (laughs) That made us feel real good. (laughs) And we were like the suckers. But we bought that building. Because in my imagination, I saw a beautiful building. Because I had a vision. I saw, was that building, a new company with lighted signs on the front and on the sides and Scanabody's Biologics. And I saw inside that building, all cleaned up, you know, and Clorox bleached the studs, replaced the studs, replaced the floor, all this stuff. But I saw beautiful tiling on the floor and on the walls and enameled paint on the ceilings and elevators and conference room and offices and exam rooms and interview rooms and server rooms and plasma processing rooms and donor rooms. I saw plasma donors in that building. And the flow of those donors, I saw employees going through training programs. I saw employees training other employees. I saw those trained employees then doing their jobs for the benefit of the most vulnerable in our society, the patient. I saw supplies coming into that building going one way. I saw waste going out of the building. I saw plasma bottles being generated. Lots of plasma bottles full of this life-saving plasma, plasma components. And I saw the 67-slot parking lot full. And I saw 40 more cars on Broadway, and I was happy there was no parking signs on Broadway. (laughs) And I saw the bus stop that stopped right in front there, went right to the trolley station. 
and I saw 400 to 1,000 healthy plasma donors every day coming through the streamlined system and giving plasma. And I saw it six days a week. And what really excited me the most was I saw this plasma being made into the components for patients. And I got so excited to see the patient. I saw the patients in the hospitals where I've been a patient. I saw patients dying from infection unless they got the plasma components that came out of that building. I saw patients recovering from these fatal infections because they got the plasma components that came out of that beautiful building. I saw the blood clotting components from the plasma coming out of that building and saving the lives of hemophiliac patients. I saw car accident patients on the side of the road who had just about almost but bled out, and they would die unless they got the albumin part of the plasma that came out of that building. And that's what was happening in my mind. It wasn't saying a word, just happening in my mind as I silently was walking back and forth through the floors of that stinking, leaking, moldy building. <laughs> And I think our people were shocked also by the condition of the building. But I knew that the vision would never become a reality unless I transferred the vision to our people. And I also had to convince the El Cajon City Council to give us a license to do that because El Cajon had had a plasma center in uh, El Cajon, and it wasn't exactly like the one I just described. You know? <laughs> that place over on Magnolia and Broadway was a dirty, dingy place where drunks sat on the sidewalk with their bottles waiting for the plasma center to open so they could get money. And then they went out and they tried to get themselves infected with hepatitis because they knew they could get more money if they were hepatitis positive. <laughs> so when I said a plasma center to the city council, they go, oh, no. <laughs> no, not another one. But I had to transmit. I had to transmit my vision for a plasma center to the city council in order to get the permit. And I had to transmit my vision for a plasma center to our people in order to get the beautiful plasma building built. And if I did not successfully transmit my vision of the most beautiful plasma center in the country, then I knew it was not going to happen. And so I went about the work of getting the people excited about the vision. And the people caught the vision. And we got the permit. And it became a reality. And when Abbott Lab audited the operation there, and they've been through many plasma centers around the country, they said, this is the most beautiful we've seen. And it was audited by the FDA and, and others, and they said similar things. And it never would have happened unless I had transferred to others the vision. That's exactly what God is doing here in Genesis 17, in this chapter. He's transferring his vision through these explanations. And this chapter is one giant set of God's explanations where God is explaining to Abraham with a lot of explanations about Abraham's seed. This is a chapter with a lot of promises, a lot of explanation that God is making about it, where we see all those like multitudes of fish in the sea explanation about Abraham's seed. All those maod maods, the explanations about Abraham's seed. All those many nations coming from Abraham's seed explanations. All those kings coming from Abraham's seed explanations. All those God will be the God of Abraham's seed explanations. All those Abraham's seed's going to live forever explanation. All those Abraham's seed's going to possess all the land of Canaan explanation. All those Abraham and Sarah name changes with the circumcisions to memorialize all those explanations and promises that God has made to Abraham. Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. Now today is the official end of the Jewish Passover, and we want to encourage you to get this month's resource, Tom Cantor teaching on the personal relevance of the Passover. 
Now, it's from Exodus 12 and Isaiah 53. It's a two-disc DVD production. It's amazing, and it's yours for a donation of $20 or more. So again, Passover ends today, but we've got a great teaching offer for you. It's a tremendous resource. It's also a great evangelical tool that you can give to a lost Jewish person or even a, somebody who's searching for the truth of the scriptures and who Christ is as seen in the Passover lamb from Exodus 12 and Isaiah 53. Get this two-disc DVD production and resource from the Friendship with God radio program and Israel Restoration Ministries. Wonderful two-disc teaching from Tom Cantor on the personal relevance of the Passover. Cheers for a $20 or more donation. And it also supports Jewish evangelism with the mailings we had where we reached over a half million lost Jewish people with a truth of what Passover is. And we just finished sending that out to Jewish homes this past week. Now again, your donation and support for this resource or or just a donation monthly or a one-time donation will help to support this radio program and Jewish evangelism as well as get a tremendous resource offer with this teaching on the Passover. Now you can donate at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. Go to the resources section and find this at Tom Cantor's materials online in our bookstore, friendshipwithgod.org, or you can call us directly right now, 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Again, that's 1-800-247-3051. Now, one of the most popular things we have at friendshipwithgod.org is being able to give a gift to a lost Jewish person. Tom Cantor's DVD and his booklet that you can put into a lost Jewish person's hands that you know, or even a lost Christian. Now, you can order that by going to Tom Cantor's online resources at friendshipwithgod.org, but there's a special link for lost Jewish people that you can send them this free gift. So go to friendshipwithgod.org, fill out the free gift to a lost Jewish person online form, fill that out, and you can be sent to you or to them. Now, you can also sign up for Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse while you're there at the website. It's just one verse that comes to you with a commentary thought from Tom Cantor. It comes every day, Monday through Friday, and you can get that by going and signing up at friendshipwithgod.org. Of course, if you need any help with signing up for the daily devotional verse, or you'd like to order materials directly or make a donation directly, you can call us at 1-800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, or friendshipwithgod.org.